We believe in a world where every organization is a geospatial organization in some sense, and they have geospatial requirements or needs inside their organization. And we believe through the GIS software that they use in their organization, that they should be able to easily access and pull the data that they need right there without having to go elsewhere. Welcome to the Space Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Anderson, founder and managing partner at Space Capital, a seed stage venture capital firm investing in the space economy. We're actively investing out of our third fund with 100 million under management. You can find us on social media at Space Capital. In this podcast, we explore what's happening at the cutting edge of the entrepreneurial space age and speak to the founders and innovators at the forefront. This is the Space Capital Podcast, and today we're speaking with James Sleefers, founder and CEO of Skywatch, a company that is enabling a new era in geospatial intelligence by providing developers the tools they need to efficiently and cost-effectively integrate Earth observation data into their applications and work streams. We first invested in Skywatch in their seed round back in 2018 and have invested several more times in the company in the years since. James, it's great to have you back on the show. Thanks for joining us. For sure, Chad. Thanks for having me. Okay, so a lot has happened since we last had you on the pod back in 2019, so welcome back. I am excited to get into this. So for those who may not be familiar, can you introduce the company, Skywatch? What's your value proposition and and how are you introducing yourselves these days? Certainly. So we like to think of ourselves as a world-leading provider or distributor of satellite data, particularly in Earth observation. We see our responsibility as making it easy for any organization in the world who currently has difficulty accessing satellite data, our mission is to make it easy for them to to do so. We think about making Earth observation data accessible, affordable, and standardized. Those are sort of of the the three principles at which we approach this. And we do it through two very seamless, uh, simple products that sit in the value chain of Earth observation. So our first product is EarthCache, and EarthCache was a product that we were talking about in the market when we last spoke in, uh, I believe it was 2019. And EarthCache, to put it simply, is an API for accessing satellite data. So with with EarthCache, we have a very blue ocean um, strategy. Our goal is to enable new applications, new customers. Uh, We sort of leave the existing market as we would largely define as being government and defense alone and, and try to grow what we think is the largest untapped potential of the market. Um, billions and billions of dollars of of commercial opportunity. That's what we would call pent-up demand. We then have on the backside of that a product that we've launched since we last spoke. And it's a product that we service to what we call the supply side of the Earth observation market, and that is TerraStream. And uh, TerraStream is a, you know, as an analogy, we, we call it Shopify for space companies. And the goal is it's a a turnkey downstream data management and distribution solution for any entity in the world that needs to launch a satellite and get that data from that satellite to market. So we're working with, I would say, a majority, actually, of the world's satellite companies in some various form, enabling them to more easily reach the growing and expanding commercial markets. And I think what's what's unique about our business, particularly in Earth observation, it's, I would say, the stat that usually surprises people is when when you dig into most Earth observation 
businesses, you will probably see a revenue profile that definitely skews majority government. Uh, but in many cases, you know, northwards of 90 plus percent of, of revenue coming from government uh, sources. We have the inverse revenue profile in our business. In fact, it is probably less than 5% of our revenue comes from government sources. So I think just a true indicator of uh, Skywatch being a strictly commercial focused business and looking to expand the use and the democratization of satellite imagery and, and you know, hopefully towards an end goal where the power and the impact of this, this data can be uh, synonymous with the impact that we've seen GPS have over the last two decades. Okay, and so traditional Earth observation companies were vertically integrated by design, by government, for government. And government continues to be a large purchaser of this type of data. And the traditional systems that were built, these geospatial intelligence systems, they were never really intended to be interoperable. They were designed to be closed experiences, controlled economies, and they optimized them to service very specific type of government customer, very sophisticated customer. Your approach has really turned this on its head. And so I'm curious how you think about that split of government versus commercial. Government has been the key source of revenue for these types of companies in the past. They continue to be a large purchaser today. But where are we going? Clearly, you think that the opportunity is in commercial. Yeah, 100%. And I would say we could attribute the, or I should say, we would characterize the difficulty that Earth Observation has had in going into the commercial markets as being one in which the, I would say, the customer or the user behavior of commercial markets, it's actually completely inverse from what we're used to in government, and in particular, serving data to government. And it really gets at the foundation of how we serve data. So with, with government customers, we have a customer base that purchases large volumes of data. You can imagine the needs of governments being imagery of cities, counties, states, countries even. And they need these less frequently. Sometimes they need a base map created on an, on an annual basis. But oftentimes you don't see needs for imagery except in the instances of you know, uh, natural disasters and wartime being, being the exception. You don't see the, the imagery needs being very frequent. Commercial customers, particularly commercial use cases, are the complete inverse of that. So commercial customers, they require imagery of very small areas at very high frequencies. So you can think about uh, construction, you, know, you need to monitor a construction site on a weekly basis, a farm. You may need to monitor uh, every three days, every four days. And these, these user behaviors matter to how we serve them simply because how data is priced in Earth observation is directly correlated with the size of area that you're monitoring. So, so we price data on a per square kilometer basis. So if you're a government customer and you need, uh, let's just say an image of a city, and let's just say it's roughly 100 square kilometers, which might even be slightly small, and, and you're paying you know, $20 per, per square kilometer, uh, you're probably doing a $2,000 transaction. On the side of the, the supplier or the, the satellite operator, you can inject some humans in the loop there and, and still have a decent margin on, on selling that product or distributing that product out to market. 
Now, when we think about a construction project or we think about an agriculture field, we're talking about areas that are smaller than one side, one square kilometer. So again, if I use the same price point of $20 per square kilometer, we now have a transaction size that is less than $20, but still requires the data to be served in the, through the exact same mechanisms or the exact same infrastructure. Uh, and they need that multiple times a week. And so if you're in, interjecting people into the distribution of that data, your marginal cost is going up hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And so the economic story I'm trying to lay out here, the financial one, is that the way we've traditionally served Earth observation data into the market, particularly you know, the government market, those cost structures have not supported us or not allowed us to efficiently serve the commercial markets at the price points that they can be or are willing to be served at. And, and so the whole thesis of Skywatch was how do we automate this entire process from both the ordering of the imagery all the way to the delivery of the imagery. We think about the opportunity very simply. We, we think about it simply in the way that the, the internet should work or simply in the way that you would watch a movie on Netflix or listen to some songs on Spotify. There's a digital good. It needs to move from one computer to the next. How can we enable that programmatically and without the needs for humans? It just happens, so happens to be that Earth observation, where we're pulling data from, happens to be on an asset that's in orbit going close to eight kilometers a, a second in orbit and moving quickly around the Earth, which logistically makes it a bit of a challenge, but also makes the problem uh, technically interesting and, and certainly worth solving so that we can uh, unlock that massive value for, for the market. And what we do know, you know, just to go back to your original question, is that there, there's massive pent-up demand for this. We, we, we today serve nearly a 1,000 organizations on our platform, growing at, at 3x the rate year over year. Just last year, we were serving 350. The year before that, um, a little bit less than, than 150 customers. So, like, it, it, and again, all 95% commercial, if not more. And so we know the demand is there. Um, I, I think what we're trying to get to as an industry is how to remove those those cost barriers so we can continue to meet customers at a price point that allows them to adopt it at scale inside their organizations. Got it. And marketplaces, aggregation platforms like this are incredibly valuable, but the opportunity to build one, they really come around quite rarely when the market is in a some sort of a state of transition. Then it's kind of a winner take all or or winner take most. And I'm thinking, you know, you've mentioned Netflix and Spotify in this conversation already, Twilio. Skywatch was one of the first to push for this abstraction layer and this this approach to Earth observation. What did you see back when you founded the company that made you think that now was the right time to build a company like this? So just to give everyone background, we as a founding team here at Skywatch actually worked on software and astrophysics prior to Earth observation. And what we did was we allowed astrophysicists to easily access data from NASA space observatories in almost real time. You know, we're talking about a delay of anywhere from 30 to 60 seconds from the moment that the observatory was able to capture data to the moment we were able to get that data um, to a researcher here on the ground. And we certainly knew and understood that there's not really much of a business to be built in astrophysics, but we were paying attention to the emergence of the 
um, the commercial markets uh, in space and, and commercial space more broadly. Uh, venture capital at this time, you know, we're talking between 2014 and 2016, was really starting to um, pick up steam in terms of their investments into uh, hardware assets that would go into space, particularly Earth observation constellations. And what was apparent to us was that there was nobody was really talking about how that increased complexity that com I would define complexity as being lots and lots of like, thousands of assets in space, how we were going to make those assets actually valuable to people here on Earth. And in retrospect, naively thought the problem was going to be as simple as astrophysics. And it turned out to be just massively more complex. But I always, you know, I joke and tell entrepreneurs, you always need to be slightly naive to start any company. Um, but, but, but it was just, it, it was evidently clear um, as people that worked on the downstream side in the space industry, just in a different vertical, that we hadn't quite figured out yet how people were going to easily access this data. And, and also mid-decade, we're talking about a time in which the API business model was starting to become prevalent. And we were also looking around our own tooling inside of our company and just realizing how many services we were accessing and utilizing via API of which on the back end, we really knew nothing about, nor did we really care to know about. You know, you, you mentioned Twilio, for example. Twilio was just going public around the time that we were transitioning to an API-first model here in the satellite industry. Um, that, that's an API-first company that abstracts the complexity of the telecom industry and allows any software developer in the world with the ability to easily integrate messaging services and video capabilities into their applications. Uh, Stripe was becoming a multi-billion dollar private company and growing at an extremely fast rate. You know, a darling, a Silicon Valley. And what do they do? Well, an API first company that allows people to easily embed payment processing into their software. And we thought about, you know, 10 years out, you know, we're, we're in the year 2016 at this point. So, so, you know, we're thinking in the year 2026, how is the modern application developer inside of the average enterprise going to access Earth observation data. And I couldn't think of a reason why it wouldn't be through an API. And, and so we just thought like we had to be the company to build that infrastructure layer. We had to be the company that abstract the complexity of thousands of assets in orbit so that any person in the world did not have to be an expert in satellites, in satellite orbits, uh, or in the Earth observation data to utilize the value of that data inside of the organization. And that was sort of what, what led to the, the API first model. Um, probably, you know, A, I should actually mention, uh, it was the first commercial satellite data API ever, ever released in the industry. Your model is now helping to create an entirely new customer segment on the commercial side that a lot of people have talked about, thought about, imagined, hoped for. But your model seems to be the one that is helping that vision be realized. You're helping these customers purchase highly targeted imagery across a broad swath of use cases, smaller areas of interest, more frequently, machine to machine, removing the humans from the loop, much of this which was largely unserved by existing providers. You mentioned earlier talking about GPS and likening what's happening here to what happened with GPS. When you abstract away the complexity of that data, you really start to see all the different ways in which this data can be used. This hands-off approach where you make it easy to access and then you can kind of let this infinite number of potential use cases manifest themselves by people who 
know the customers and are looking for ways to improve their products. I'm curious, the last time that we talked, you had already had several Fortune 500 companies looking to use Earth observation data across agriculture and oil and gas. How has that grown? How have things changed in terms of market adoption? Has that gone the way that you'd expected, or, or are there any surprises? Well, I, I wish I could say everything went according to plan. I would probably be the first entrepreneur to, to, to say such a thing. But it's largely, you know, following track with, you know, with the challenges that arise and we knock down along the way. What I will say is like all the value propositions that you mentioned are, are absolutely true. Smaller AOIs, better price points, better user interface, um, better, better user experience. I think like one of the one of the most important things that I think we did that still rings true when we listen to sales calls today is sort of the, the evolution on the business model. And I would define that as having gone from a requiring customers to pay a large contract upfront to get access to data to moving to a pay-as-a-use model where you can come onto the platform at zero cost and, and, and almost immediately and use, use the amount of data that you need and only be charged for the amount of data you need and only after you've acquired it and, and not upfront. Um, this, this, we often get this cited as being one of the, the, the top reasons among many others why, why customers come to us to, and, and see value in what we do. It's just really understanding that, that pay-as-you-use is, is, is the way forward, particularly when you're targeting the developer or, or commercial markets. Um, it is a business model that I think is proven um, and very popular in, in that domain. And so I think that's just, that's never existed. Even when we raised our capital um, early on, our very first capital, our very first seed capital, satellite operators wouldn't talk to us unless we were able to bring 100K up front at minimum. And that's just, you know, our goal was to just bring those barriers down. And, and I think that's that's part of the reason why we're seeing really good traction um, and, and really good experimentation from these companies who have never used this type of data before. The other thing I want to give credit to in our, in our customer growth, as I mentioned earlier, it's growing 3x year over year, is um, just, I, I think, I'm really proud of the team we have here. I think we have built um, the most impressive go-to-market team and emotion in our industry. We've hired go-to-market experts from all sorts of other industries to come into to Earth Observation in particular and think about how we build, a, a again, a go-to-market motion that, that allows us to bring commercial companies onto the platform seam, seamlessly and at a very high velocity. And so not only you know, do we spend a lot of time thinking about where our customers are and, and, and the kind of content they think about uh, that is useful. But we also sort of, we also ensure that we've placed people along the customer journey, knowing that we're targeting companies who don't have earth observation experience. We've been very good at, at, at understanding when our people, our success people, our enablement people, when they can jump into a customer journey to help those customers Either fully, either either further build out their integration, or to fully leverage the data, or even to just understand the data that they're getting and the value that it's providing inside their organization. And and because of that sort of that 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 little hands-on touch that we provided to the segment that needs it. Again, we we sort of um, I'll just to give you a little bit of insight into our customer base. We have like two buckets of customers that we like to sort of generalize inside of our, our customer base, the, 
The first bucket is what we call the YEO crowd, the, the Y Earth observation. And those that are those are the customers that come to Skywatch needing to solve a problem inside of their business. And they're trying to determine if Earth observation is the right fit for doing that. And I think what's interesting about that crowd and one of the myths that I think we've knocked off from, from our industry is that people believe or have historically believed that people are coming to satellite data and they're trying to figure out how to apply a solution to a problem. Um, and, and the truth couldn't be farther from that. What we're actually finding is customers coming to us and having a very well-defined business problem. And what they're trying to ascertain as quickly as possible is whether or not satellite data, particularly Earth observation data, can solve that problem. And we see it as our job to get it, get them to a conclusion on that as fast as possible. Not every, not every problem can be solved with Earth observation. Most can eventually, some can't today, given, given certain supply side constraints, but our job is to get them there as fast as possible. And then the second bucket is the Y Sky, we call them the Y Skywatch crowd. And these are, these are companies and organizations that already do use Earth observation inside of their ecosystem, but they're trying to find a better, better widget for doing so. They're trying to, they're, they're either fed up or sick of the existing ways of accessing data, and they're looking to remove friction so that more of their time and more of their money can be spent on the core competency of their business and less on acquiring and procuring satellite data. So we we just did a really good job, I think, of understanding our market, segmenting our market, and then building a uh, both a go-to-market motion and a customer success program that knows when to target those specific groups and, and how to grow, um, and how to help them grow their usage of Earth observation inside their platform. And, and I think what it, what it shows is that we're able to get customers on and we're able to make them successful when we're enabling them to grow their usage of Earth observation, either by showing how there's other business problems that can be solved in their organization through the use of the data or through enabling them to solve similar problems but with different data types um, or introducing, you know, whether it's introducing synthetic aperture radar or hyperspectral, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, hopefully that's a good overview of, of where we're at customer-wise. And agriculture and insurance were the two really early movers in this space. Is that still the case? Are they still a significant portion of your revenue? How has that diversified? So um, I would classify uh, agriculture and insurance as being important industries, particularly large industries uh, as represented by our customer base, but not necessarily as represented by our revenue. So agriculture is our largest segment of market, but it's less than 18% of all of our customers. And it's even less than 8% of all revenue. So it is a, um, it's an interesting industry. It was a, definitely a first adopter of satellite data, particularly Earth observation. But I think as an industry, we have a lot of work to do to, to serve that, that industry well and at scale. I believe it, it presents the largest opportunity for Earth observation over the long term, but um, it, it's going to require, I, I think, just a dramatic, more dramatic reductions in price, accessibility. These are obviously price-sensitive industries, and if you know Skywatch can be successful in removing a lot of the cost structures of getting this data to market, we believe that we can bring the, the prices down 
and thus you know expand the the market opportunity within agriculture. Um, on the insurance front, it's it's a similar story. The um, but but not I would say not as big of a, a a customer base in terms of total number of customers, but um, a per, pretty pretty significant in terms of of revenue. I would say like it, it's about uh, pretty close to seven percent of our revenue, but only about two uh, percent of our total customer base. Similar challenges there, where in order for them to do it at scale, there has to be cost reductions um, because they serve similar to agriculture. They, they have customer bases in which there's large geographic dispersion among where they need data. And you need systems and processes that can collect that data efficiently. And, and we're getting there. And I would say like within two to three years, I wouldn't be surprised if insurance was in the top three of our both customer bases uh, in terms of number of customers as well as um, in terms of total revenue. Got it. One of the benefits that we haven't talked about yet is the power of data aggregation. You mentioned that your customers, your typical customers, come to you with a well-defined business issue that they're wondering if Earth observation geospatial data can help them solve. And typically, one type of sensor, one type of satellite data isn't enough to answer those business questions, right? Like optical imagery is great during the day, but it's pretty useless at night when it's dark or when there's cloud cover. Mm -hmm. Radar can see through clouds in the night, but also is like very complicated, requires sophisticated tools. Government data might be free, but it might be infrequent and low resolution. So anyway, one of the things that you do is bring all this together and make it really easy for your customers to essentially have a one-stop shop. But it was difficult in the early days to get established data providers onto the platform, both incumbents and early new entrants, those that had already invested in these platforms on their own back when it was a verticalized business model or they were moving away slowly from that model and they had made all these CapEx investments themselves. But now, slowly but surely, more and more of them are coming onto the platform and selling their data through EarthCash. I'm curious, what has caused that shift and helped them change their mind? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. I think probably one of the more revealing results of having executed on this business over the last couple of years. In the early days, when we were a small amount of customers, you know, less than 100, and, and still figuring out what the scalable use cases were, we positioned ourselves to the satellite operators as a partner in accessing and growing the commercial markets. And the, the truth is that this would, in order to do that successfully, we needed them to make a level of investment in order for their systems to adequately serve this new type of customer. As we said before, you know, to serve the commercial market, you need pretty low marginal costs, which means you need a lot of automated systems. And just th there was no satellite operator in the world who, who had that capability yet. And so, you know, A, we'd offered to build a lot of those capabilities um, for the partners that we were working with. And we tried to augment, we, we did our best to augment their systems with our own software um, and with our own processing. And what happened over time was as we were able to prove, like th uh, through the excellent go-to-market um, execution that I mentioned earlier, that we were able to grow our customers, our customer base and our, and our revenue base in the commercial markets at a rate that has never been seen in our industry. 
we were able to to take this data back to them um, and, and 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 prove prove that we're we are a um, a not only a reasonable but probably their best option in expanding revenue in, into the the commercial markets and, and and capitalizing on what is a very fast growing segment of of earth observation you know what I've just broadly defined as the non government non defense sector of, of earth observation and so we position ourselves now as go to market partners um, with these with these providers with with these satellite operators. Um, whether they're an incumbent or a or a company that is in the midst of launching their first few satellites, um, we see our role as being a go-to-market partner to help them build a profitable commercial business. Um, and so, yes, we do that by enabling them uh, as easily as possible to access our Earth Cash customer base. But what we've been talking to the market about more more recently over the last year, what we what we sort of began talking about a little bit more openly was the, the TerraStream and what we're building on the supply side of the market. Um, and what we're, trying to, what we're trying to do there is what we're trying to say like, look, you don't have to build your own data distribution capabilities. Um, the verticalized companies that, that were first to market um, in the early days, you know, the planets of the world, the Maxars of the world, they had to build their own distribution capabilities because distribution capabilities weren't a thing when they started in an earth observation business, they didn't exist. But now as the, the ecosystem and the market is maturing, I think we all agree it is table stakes. Now, if you're going to build a modern earth observation company, that your data needs to reach market efficiently. Everybody has to do it. It's not an option anymore. It is a must. It is required. And so our job is to take away that heavy lifting of needing to have that service and provide a capability that is built by a company, Skywatch, that knows the space better than any other and can take away that heavy lifting and those heavy upfront costs away from companies so that they can focus their money and their resources on the core competencies of their business and ultimately the thing in their business that will actually drive real differentiation and real competitive advantage, which is the quality of their products and the differentiation. Of, the, of their data products. So um, we've just, we've had a, a tremendous amount of traction here over the next, oh, sorry, over the last year. Um, and and in, in today's current ecosystem and environment, you know, two, two things are happening. One, our customer base continues to, its growth is actually accelerating still, even on top of a 3x year over year, as well as um, I think I, I think the current market conditions are, are forcing satellite operators to reflect on what costs in their business are important and which ones, which ones should they look to either outsource or reduce. And um, our job is to provide the market with the ability, again, like our value proposition to the satellite operators, we're a go-to-market um, partner. But you know, when we think about it a little bit more holistically, we see our responsibility as enabling these satellite companies to build profitable businesses. And yes, part of that is reaching revenue faster and growing it faster. But, but the other part of that is helping them reduce costs inside their business, um, which is you know, ultimately the, 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 the simple equation of how you get to profitability, increase revenue, reduce costs. So we are today um, working with 
Uh, we have access to more than 90% of all Earth observation satellites in the world. Well, I should say in orbit around the world. Um, and uh, in increasingly working with uh, today, we have relationships with more than like close, you know, monthly conversations with more than 50% of all companies that plan to launch a satellite over the next uh, over the next couple of years, and a, an actual contractual relationship with with about 25% of all companies launching an Earth observation satellite over the next. A uh, couple of years, and and all of that is growing as we continue to make more and more investments in that side of the business. And what we should be proving, you know, in a couple of years when you and I speak again, is uh, you know we'll have data on how we're enabling companies, particularly satellite operators, to get to revenue faster, to grow their revenue faster, and to get to profitability faster than than ever before. And what I hope that means is. You know, they're, they're less constrained by capital. They're able to use their capital more effectively. They're able to raise the capital that they need more efficiently. Um, and, and, and ultimately, they can build healthier, more sustainable businesses. Wow, that's really impressive. Okay, so you're making it very easy for the data providers to get access to customers and make more money. You're making it easier for the customer base to grow. You're enabling them to experiment and adopt Earth observation. And once they do that, they want more. So this is an interesting area and new players are entering. Since we last talked, one of the big developments is the big tech cloud providers have gotten into the game, AWS and, and Microsoft in particular. Mm-hmm. Do, are these competitors or partners? They are partners by definition. Um, and we've, we've proudly made uh, announcements as such over the last year. Um, they're, they're doing something really important on, on the ground side, which is they are um, try they, you know, they recognize the um, the amount of data that's going to be downlinked and, and the current bottlenecks we face in in the industry and getting data down to the ground and out to customers. Um, and you know, obviously, selfishly, they they understand how much revenue that 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 will lead to. Um, uh, and and I think they're 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 doing something interesting in, in building the, uh, downlinking stations at their data centers. Um, and this is important and helpful because one of them, if you have never worked in data before, you might not appreciate this, but one of the most expensive um, aspects of, of working with data is actually moving data around. Um, bandwidth costs can be, can be extremely expensive, especially when you're talking about terabytes or petabytes of data. Um, and, and so they're making it easier for satellite companies to get data into the data centers or into the the compute centers where the processing is going to happen and ultimately be delivered out to customers. So they're they're just, they're closing a lot of bottlenecks there. Um, We've announced TerraStream partnerships with with both of those organizations so that uh, the satellite operators that launch using TerraStream as their primary distribution capability will be able to use either AWS Ground Station or Microsoft Azure Orbital uh, to to downlink their data and directly into their TerraStream instance and get it out to their customers uh, as fast as possible. Great. And Esri, Esri is the granddaddy of geospatial information systems. That they are. It all kind of starts with them. Founded in 1969, first company to digitize mapping information for commercial use. Still in the game, still going strong, and you have an integration with them now. Yeah. So so we're running a beta program at the moment. Um, the number of enterprises, large, large companies that already use Esri inside their organization. Uh, we're running a beta program that will enable them to easily uh, order 
and and uh, retrieve and ex like basically accept imagery uh, directly through the Esri interface without actually ever having to, to come to Skywatch or EarthCache directly. Um, and this is a great thing for us. As an API-first company, um, we actually think uh, like what success looks like for us is our customers accessing and utilizing data in their existing workflows. We don't want them to, to actually come to Skywatch and have a separate workflow for how they get satellite data and go to another organization to, to access uh, uh, drone or aerial data in a different manner. We believe in a world where um, every organization uh, is, is a geospatial organization in some sense, and, and they, have ge they, they have geospatial requirements or needs inside their organization. And we believe through the GIS software that they use in their organization, that they should be able to easily access and pull the data that they need right there without having to go elsewhere. And as an API first company, we just want to be the pipes that enable that. We want to be the company on the back end, the tooling on the back end that is making all that possible. And we, we think it's a requirement for, for seeing through to the world that we envision one day. Um, and so we're excited about the, the, taking this first step with Esri, um, which I think, you know, our, I think our our ability to actually have a partnership with Esri and, and, and sort of gain the traction that we have with them, I think is again, another credit to just, you know, how much we've been able to prove and show validation that we understand commercial markets and, and, and how to grow and serve that, that customer base. So, you know, our, 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 our goal there is to, to build a seamless, uh, very seamless user experience where any Esri customer can easily uh, access imagery, whether that's ordering archive imagery or, or ask, actually tasking a satellite, um, that, that they can do so uh, right there inside of Esri um, for almost any satellite in the world, um, which will be quite a, a, an exciting feat once accomplished. So we're, we're working on a beta program right now. We're working towards a V1 release by the end of this calendar year. Um, and that, that V1 release will, will include the things that I just said. Uh, a customer will be able to um, order and receive archive imagery from all of our providers through that, that interface. They'll also be able to task any satellite that we have access to, which is more than 300 satellites um, through that interface as well. So um, very excited about that. And we're very excited to roll that out, you know, beyond our beta program over, over the next um, uh, six to six to 12 months. But I would encourage anybody who's listening uh, to this and, and, and our, um, Big time as we users inside of your organization um, to, to reach out to us. We are adding people to the program, so it's not like we have like a, a fixed number and everybody else will have to wait um, till till the end of the year. We're continuing to add customers who who are heavy users of Esri into our program. On, on a weekly basis. That's great. So even in addition to growing the market to new users, you're also now getting access to the existing geospatial customer set. That's fantastic news. James, I, I, I was just just on just on that point though, uh, Chad, the so so yes, the existing customer base, but but also there there's a, a very large subset of Esri users who do not access um, uh, Earth observation data today because it's either it's prohibitively expensive to or it's too complicated. Um, and, and so the fact that they can now do it through Esri, I think it. while we are going to attract existing customers, I, I think there's a large untapped potential in that, that customer base where when they find out they can just order and they can have a pay-as-you-use order you know, right there through the Esri interface, I think it's going to open up a lot of eyes. 
So you have a lot going on, and as the market grows, your products are growing with them, and you've got a few interesting developments. Can we talk a little bit on, while we're talking about customers, on the EarthCash side, some of these enhancements that you have coming? Yeah, uh, totally. So, so we have a few uh, major developments. We talked about the one, which, which is Esri. Um, and, and I would say that there's a few partners that are, that are like Esri that we also you know want to replicate that product experience for, uh, which we're, we're not yet announcing, but but uh, some exciting developments there. On the um, uh, on, on some of the, the product feature front, well, we rolled out um, what we call our very high resolution category, product category, um, about a little bit more than a month ago in the middle of summer. And that's uh, that is data uh, imagery more specifically that is, uh, well, it's technically the highest resolution data that's available from low Earth orbit constellations. But to be more specific, we define that as data that is 30 centimeters per pixel or sharper. What we found what we found with the Earth observation market, and in particular customers, is that they do want as high of resolution, uh, as high as a resolution of imagery as they can get. Um, so, so long as it's affordable and the costs meet the value that they're deriving from it. And so, you know, we found that, you know, historically, this area has been dominated largely by, by Maxar and their Worldview satellites. Um, but when Worldview 4 went out um, and, and prematurely uh, ended its, its life cycle um, a, a couple years back, that created a, a massive amount of pent up demand in, in the ecosystem. Um, because their capacity all of a sudden shrank considerably, and, um, and and not to mention we know that you know that organization largely serves the U.S. government, and and so they prioritize the you know those premium paying customers, and it left the commercial markets a little um, uh, sort of high and dry. solution, yeah, high and dry, yeah, and so we um, we're excited about both some of the the new thirty centimeter constellations that are coming online um, and that have started trickling out from both Airbus and Maxar, but also a number of new startups in the ecosystem that are promising to launch 30 centimeters and even better um, over the next couple of years. And there's not a single one that we're not talking to or, or, or working through an agreement on right now. So we're very excited to, to see low Earth orbit uh, constellations push the boundaries on resolution to you know 15 centimeters, possibly 10 centimeters over the next few years. What this product category, I think, is also going to allow us to explore, um, which I won't give away you know, too many details on right now, we'll consider this a little bit of a, a teaser, is um, it's allowing us to think through how we insert non-LEO data sets into, um, into the platform as they fit into that category. So if you have a sensor that is uh, you know, 20 kilometers up in the stratosphere and you're capturing interesting imagery, or if you have a UAV, that's capturing interesting imagery. Um, that generally, the resolution of, of those sensors fit really well into this product category. And so we're experimenting right now with how we um, insert those data types into, into our customers' orders and requests when it, when it meets their needs. Because at the end of the day, our responsibility is to fulfill our customers' needs and their needs are um, to, to generalize them and to make it really simple. A customer need is, I need an image of some area of the planet and I need it during this time. And, and our job is to fulfill that. Um, and, and so, you know, we, we primarily, the satellites are and will always remain the best way to do that. 
But in instances where clouds get in the way um, or when, when there's not enough capacity or when um, a, a sensor might not quite, be, quite yet be available in orbit, we're really excited to experiment with ways that we can bring other uh, data from other uh, <laughs> stratospheres or other uh, levels of altitude to, to our customers. Um, and then the, the second big thing that we've been slowly rolling out over the last month is a, um, it, it's internally, we have called this EarthCache X. Um, we're still working on the branding, but essentially, you, you know, we have access to an amazing amount of market intelligence. Not only from, you know, the millions of API calls that we have on our platform, but also, again, you know, speaking of our go-to-market motion and, and the tooling that we have on the sales and marketing side, the amount of data that we capture in our customer conversations is quite incredible as well. Um, and, and through those conversations and through those API calls, we get a glimpse into what customers are looking for in the market that we might not yet have access to, might not have a deal yet to supply, um, or might still be early in market development. And so EarthCache X is a program that we've that we're rolling out to put, you know, to, to pass through what we would call um, either experimental or beta data that allows that allows us to see the appetite for this data from, from our customers, but also allows our customers, if they need data, to access that through EarthCache rather than you know, needing to find a way to, to go directly to that supplier. Um, so, so it's data sources that we haven't spent the money or time fully integrating yet because we don't have the market validation, but it's now allowing us to solve the chicken and egg problem. Well, how do we get market validation if we don't make the data available? And if we don't make the data available, how do we, you know, how, how do we, you know, in, in, how do we prove to ourselves that we can invest the amount of money that we need to invest into a partner to make this this um, this work? And so, Earth Cash X is about uh, it's a it's it's a very fast way to get a, a deal done with a supplier or a satellite operator or a drone provider or a UAV provider or somebody putting balloons in the stratosphere. It is a vehicle for us to get a deal done with them quickly and, and give them exposure to our customer base and give our customer base exposure to them so we can start figuring out how their data will resonate in the market and how we can scale up and make it successful. Interesting. So going beyond just an Earth Observation Company and building a platform for full geospatial capabilities. Super interesting. Yeah, I would say I, I would say the majority of the data is still like low Earth observation, low Earth orbit, Earth observation data, um, but it doesn't have to be anymore. Um, but but you know we we still you know if you're building some interesting uh, hyperspectral capability that is new to the market or or some new synthetic aperture radar or if you got you know something you're experimenting with like lidar or um, or AIS, ADSB. You know, it's an opportunity to see how the commercial markets will react to your data um, and for us to see how we can better support you and grow both our relationship with you and make your business more successful. James, this is fascinating. You're right in the middle of a really interesting, rapidly growing market. I'm really looking forward to checking in with you in another couple of years to see how things are going. But thanks very much for coming back on the show with us today. 
Yeah, uh, pl pleasure. This is my favorite topic to, to talk about. And please don't wait a couple of years. Thanks for tuning into the Space Capital Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. And if you're interested in learning more about investing in the space economy, I invite you to visit our website, spacecapital.com, where you can get access to more industry-leading insights and learn how you can join the entrepreneurial space age.